This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. Daphna, how are you? Well, I'm great. Again, I'm not the one post-call, so <laughs> I'm doing fine. Yeah. I'm feeling quite chipper, actually. <laughs> How's the weather uh, on your side of the coast over there? It's been beautiful. Is it, is it cooler? It is a little cooler. That's I don't know nice. why. Is it supposed know, to be the cooler? Go- the Gulf of Mexico? It's slightly farther north. <laughs> interesting interesting well now it's scorching hot over here i'm post call yeah. we're recording um the neonatology review podcast and you know what i was thinking daphna i was i'm gonna maybe we'll edit this part out or maybe we won't <laughs> i wanted to be to do something for our audience of this particular podcast because they're such okay. loyal fans yeah and and i was thinking if you want we because uh, you know we have printed all these stickers for yeah. our trip to Italy, That's and they're right. in my they're in my car now, and yeah. they and I have to bring them to the studio, and and it I was thinking we should send people some stickers. It's That's not right. that so if you want some incubator stickers and swag, some snail whatever, mail, some snail yeah, mail, send us your address <laughs> and we'll send some stuff to you. Um, Sounds, yeah, sounds good. All right, there's about like three hundred something people listening to this podcast consistently. Please do not all. <laughs> I don't know if everybody will give us their address. No, but, but yeah, um, you know yeah, what? We'll, yeah, if all of you if all of you give us your address, we'll still we'll, send you sweat. We'll send we'll you figure some stickers. It out. It's not it's not going to be something fancy, but it's like a bunch of stickers <laughs> that we have. Um, and and yeah, we'll send them to you. That's it. That's my uh, that's my act of kindness for the day. Sounds good. All right. Um, is there any announcement that we need to make? Uh, no, we're talking about GBS today. And it's quite exciting because stay tuned for the rest of the week where we actually mm-hmm. we actually got the get, right? I mean, that's, is that what they say in the business? We got Dr. A Guapolo. rock star. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was really, again, I'm always surprised by people saying yes to the podcast because I think we're just a bunch of lunatics doing <laughs> some, our, our own thing over here. But yeah, Dr. Puapolo coming up on Thursday. Very, very exciting. She's If you don't know who she is, she's from CHOP. She basically wrote the GPS guidelines from the AP. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be great to have her on. Very excited about that. And that's it. Remember to, to grab your CME credits for this week. And with that in mind, let's let's get into it. Okay, so today we're going to start with really the microbiology and the epidemiology. And, you know, when I think about this, I wish I had paid more attention in medical school because I know we went over this stuff and I was like, wah, wah, who cares? But but I do care. <laughs> now I really feel like I need to know. But it was just too much at the time to, uh-huh. to let it Your all. Current self in. And finds now, this information valuable. Current self, you know, hindsight is is twenty twenty, as they say. So. We're talking about Group B Streptococcus or Streptococcus agalactiae. Did I say it right? We we were practicing. Go, yes, yes. Agalactiae. Agalactiae. And even if it's or not G- the wrong pronunciation, we're committed to this pronunciation for the rest of the week. So we apologize in advance if this is <laughs> irritating. Well, we'll call it. We'll just call it GBS for short. Perfect. 
um, is a leading cause of bacteremia, sepsis, pneumonia, and meningitis in neonates. But did you know why it's called group B strep? Mm. Um, in all honesty, I did um, I did read that once and I forgot. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. I'll teach you some history today. <laughs> um, it's called group B because it exhibits the group B designation in the Lancefeld group. So what's the Lancefeld group? Dr. Rebecca Lancefeld, PhD, was a microbiologist who in 1933 described that the streptococci carried different carbohydrate antigens. And so she labeled them by what group of antigen um, they carried. Uh, she was also the scientist far, you know, far uh, uh, before her time, this female scientist who identified that strep pyogenes was the cause of scarlet fever. Hmm. So another hot shot. Wow. Um, I know. So let's, so that's why it's called group B strep. It's because it has a group B um, antigen um, as classified by the Lancefeld group. Now, there are lots of other ways for us to, not us, I guess, lab techs <laughs> to identify um, uh, group B strep or GBS. So let's talk about those laboratory features. On gram stain, it's a gram positive cocci that congregates in uh, pairs and chains. So that's what we'll see on our gram stain. Um, it's catalase negative. Other things I wasn't paying attention to during medical school. It's catalase negative, which if you need a reminder, catalase is an enzyme that converts hydrogen peroxide to water and oxygen gas. And some bacteria have catalase and some do not. And to determine if bacteria have catalase, they are mixed with hydrogen peroxide. And if bubbles appear, because the bacteria has catalase and produces oxygen gas, they are catalase positive. And if no bubbles appear, the bacteria are catalase negative, like the strep species. So no bubbles, they're catalase negative. And this distinguishes mm -hmm. them from staph, which are usually catalase positive. Um, in addition, group B strep are generally beta hemolytic on blood agar plates. Um, and what that means is they're able to induce nearly complete um, or complete hemolysis when plated on blood agar in the lab. And it's thought to be critical for its um, virulence in vitro. In vivo, I'm sorry. <laughs> and beta hemolysis is also seen in group A strep or strep pyogenes. So as a reminder, the B in GBS does not indicate its hemolysis potential, um, but its antigen group. Mm -hmm. Of note, there are some non-hemolytic GBS strains that have been shown to cause um, infection in neonates, but they are much, much less common. So that's how um, GBS is evaluated in the lab, and they get us um, our um, speciation. Um, and then the next step, obviously, is to um, test the antibiotics to decide uh, sensitivities. But in terms of epidemiology, um, let's review some things that I think most of us already know, but we'll get down to the details. There can be asymptomatic carriage of GBS in the GI tract and in the GU tract. And for pregnant people who have carriage in the in the GI in the sorry, for pregnant people who have carriage in the GU tract, there can be this intrapartum transmission via ascending spread. 
Per the CDC, there are nearly 30,000 invasive GBS infections a year, but that encompasses all age groups. And highest risk groups for disease are the elderly, those with chronic illness like cardiovascular disease and diabetes, um, pregnant people, and of course, fetuses and neonates. And so for our purpose in the fetus and neonate, um, GBS uh, first really emerged as um, becoming the most common cause of sepsis in about the 1970s. And it um, still is the most common cause of early onset sepsis, making up about 50% of all cases and nearly 25% of cases in preterm infants. Mm -hmm. So... Um, it can present as either early onset or late onset sepsis, which uh, you will tell us about those specifics on Wednesday, right? Right. Yes, that's right. Um, since the adoption of screening, um, kind of empiric screening of all pregnant people and um, treatment um, for those people who are GVS positive, the rate of early onset infection um, related to GBS has, has decreased significantly. So before um, kind of universal screening, it was at 1.7 cases per 1,000 live births. That's about 1993 to uh, down to 0.22 cases per 1,000 live births in 2016. I, I think I think that's an important concept, right? Because yes. um, people may not be aware of the fact that before, um, I want to say the 2010 or I forget if mm -hmm. it was the 1996 or the 2010 guidelines. Mm -hmm. But before that, there was not routine a recommendation to do routine screening right. for GBS. So you went based on a risk assessment or something like that. And so it was huge for the CDC ACOG to recommend universal screening for GBS. And I think that what we've read so far uh, says that this is the reason for this significant drop. Absolutely. And like I said, the, the drop was dramatic, dramatic. But despite that, um, like I told you, it's still the most common cause of early onset sepsis. Um, but so that tells you that early onset sepsis in general also decreased dramatically with this kind of really public health intervention. Um, it is important to note, however, and this is another important point, that this intervention did not change the rates of GBS-associated late-onset sepsis. Um, it er only affected, really, early-onset sepsis, so that's within the first seven days of life. Um, but still, it is um, a very common problem, and so um, this was a, a very important step in protecting babies. Um 50% of babies born to colonized people will also become colonized, but not all of them will develop infection. Um, one to 2% of um, babies born, uh, again, to colonized uh, people will, uh, one to 2% of them will develop invasive disease. And of course, the risk factors associated with neonatal disease include uh, GBS colonizations for the reasons I mentioned above, um, prolonged rupture of membranes, and preterm delivery. Um, and so that kind of hints at um, which uh, groups of people um, are going to get uh, the intrapartum prophylaxis, uh, which is what we will talk about tomorrow. Okay. All right, Daphna, thank you very much. Um, this was actually quite helpful. And so tomorrow we will be talking about the the actual screening guidelines. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And then, so tomorrow we'll talk about the screening guidelines 
mothers at risk and so on. And then we'll talk about presentation of the infants on, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk to Dr. Popolo on Thursday. Perfect. All right. And well, thank we'll you. have some more, another set of questions on Friday. Friday. Yeah, that's, that's the routine. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nicupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUpodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.